When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is the HTML All The Things podcast. This episode is titled, How a Hackathon Changed Their Life with Paolo and Antonio. This interview was conducted solo, just by Mike, because I'm on vacation, so thanks to him for covering me while I was away. If this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. Today, Mike will be speaking with Paolo and Antonio about their experience entering the Svelte Hack Hackathon and winning the Best Ecosystem Integration Award for creating Svelte Lab. Svelte Lab is an in-browser code editor that quickly sets up SvelteKit environments where you can test and share your projects easily. They also dive into what gravitated them to use Svelte versus other JavaScript frameworks. Let's cut to that interview right now. All right, and we have got Paolo and Antonio on the line. Uh, really excited to speak to, speak with them. Uh, I just want to pass it right off to you guys. Paolo, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself a little bit, uh, tell us what's going on. Yeah, I'm Paolo Ricciuti. I come from uh, Italy. Uh, currently, I'm working at Main Matter, which is a German company, and I'm working as a full stack developer. Uh, and luckily for me, I, I started working on uh, Svelte, uh, I love tech, uh, web development. Uh, I started developing uh, 17 years ago uh, because I was uh, uh, I was playing some RPG uh, play by chat, uh, and a friend of mine said that, "Hey, do you want to to make one?" And I said yes, uh, knowing just HTML and uh, a bit of CSS. And I thought that it was all I needed. And I learned a hard way that it was not. And uh, instead of bailing out, I decided to start learning something. So I started with PHP, uh, PHP 4, uh, well before uh, we had classes in PHP. Uh, and so then I, I took uh, a bit of detour after university. So I, I studied computer science at university. Uh, I took a bit of detour because I'm also very passionate about photography. And so I, I tried to work with photography, but it's very, very difficult. And then also I met my girlfriend and now wife. And uh, so I decided to settle a bit and uh, come back to my original passion of uh, web development. And so I started working with web development five years ago. Uh, I, I basically skipped uh, all the jQuery, Ember uh, part of the web development. And I come back when uh, React was famous. And then I, I listened to Richari's talk about Svelte, rethinking reactivity, and I fell in love with Svelte, and so I started to very to really uh, advocate for Svelte, and 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 then uh, 
the rest is history. Like we, we, we will probably talk about this in, in a while. For sure, for sure. It's really interesting to me uh, that so many developers started, or at least like took the first steps into it with gaming in mind. So I know like even for myself, that was kind of a big motivation. It's like, I want to make an RPG game or a clicker game or whatever. And like, it, it was just, it's something that I kind of want to come back to a little bit uh, at some point. But um, yeah, I, I've heard that story many, many times. And it's it's one way to get into programming in general, but web development too. So thanks for yeah, that. I think I think it's because uh, when we are young, we all crave the fact that we can build a game. Like it's something like so ethereal. Like uh, when you don't know how to make a game, being able to just come close to to make a game, it's it's very magical. So it's something that I think appeals the the young version of ourselves. For sure. And with that, Antonio, you want to take over now and give us a little background about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Antonio Satzwitsch. Uh, I'm from Germany. I'm working at uh, Data Wrapper, also as a full stack developer. And we're also using Svelte, Svelte so that's uh, awesome. Um, I started in uh, my development career in 2016, um, where I started my uh, bachelor in media and communications informatics. So that was like a a random assortment of things you can do with a computer. So not only programming, but also like some video editing and photo editing and illustration. Uh, but when I learned about web development and HTML, CSS and JavaScript, I really felt like this is where the magic can happen. And um, I learned how easy it is to build like forms in HTML and uh, creating a backend to communicate with forms and stuff. So that was really cool. We also learned AngularJS back then. So uh, the old version without TypeScript. And then for the job, I used Angular uh, with TypeScript, the, the newer versions. And um, yeah, I explored a bit. Uh, one time I wanted to create a, an assignment for, or I had to solve an assignment for a university, but I felt like Angular was a bit too overkill, too heavy weight. And so I looked around at the other frameworks and looked at Vue looked at React, looked at, and then I saw Svelte, and I really felt like um, this is where it comes together because it just takes the best parts of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and gives you this minimal glue where everything just fits together nicely. So uh, I'm also a very huge fan, of course, and uh, love working with it, and it just makes my life easier. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's really awesome. And the, the crazy thing is all three of us now are actually employed full time working with Svelte. And I feel like, you know, three years ago, that would have been a very rare thing. Yeah. And now, now it Svelte is really. Insane. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's really entering the mainstream. I mean, I, I know Apple uses it pretty heavily. There's a lot of really large companies that are investing heavily in Svelte. So it's no longer one of those like fringe frameworks. It's definitely upping its game and something that we need to talk about more. Yeah, definitely. For sure. But yeah, uh, again, thank you for coming on the show and uh, really excited to kind of dive deep into the different Svelte stuff. But before we go fully into Svelte talk, um, a lot of our listeners are kind of just getting into development, right? They're junior devs, new devs, however they want to call themselves. And I think one thing that you you guys did recently was the Svelte Hack Hackathon, right? I want to talk a little bit about hackathons. We've talked about them on the podcast before. But mm -hmm. we we haven't come back to them because I think there's just less of them around. But I feel like there's such a really such a key and useful thing for new developers to kind of uh, 
try and break out and network and all that. So I, I wanted to ask you, and maybe Antonio, you can answer first this time. Uh, what inspired you to join the Svelte Hack Hackathon? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I was really excited when I heard about the hackathon and uh, it was really inspiring because uh, I thought, yeah, this is like a reason to finish a side project, right? So uh, you have like a goal in mind, you have like a clear cut date when you want to have something to be presented. So I think it's really motivating for that regard. But also right at the beginning, I thought maybe I should get some people together. There was like a limit of three, a group of three you can have. And uh, I immediately on Twitter went and searched uh, or, or asked if anyone uh, was interested in teaming up because I think like the best ideas uh, come around if you're like working in a group together. And uh, I think it really, it really paid off. And uh, we really created something magical and it was all thanks to the hackathon. So I think they are really, really valuable for like, yeah, just finishing a side project and like having a clear goal in mind and trying to be better than everyone else. So I think it's really motivating and really gets you out of the try to over-optimize or try to like do stuff you only you yourself would find interesting. Uh, so it really challenges you in that re- that regard. Find it really interesting that you guys, so you guys met each other through Twitter then as well. So you've made that post and uh, uh, like and Antonio Paolo, you you met each other through that post and joined the hackathon and successfully completed. I feel like that's a very rare thing that can happen, but it is important to acknowledge because I think because we think that all internet strangers are like anonymous and weird and whatever, uh, people don't put themselves out there and that hurts them in the end. So yes, there's a chance that you might meet someone and they might flake. There's a chance that that's just the connection won't work, but here's living proof that, Hey, you guys entered this hackathon. You did super well in the hackathon, first of all, and you completed a project that you're still working on together just through, you know, connecting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we kind of already knew each other uh, via Twitter because um, I think this is one of the the best thing about this belt community, which is a, a very good community. And, and so I kind of know a lot of personalities inside this belt community because uh, they are all active on Twitter, on Discord. And so we, me and Antonio talked about Svelte and about what we loved about Svelte many, many times before that magical tweet about Antonio. <laughs> um, and so we, we kind of already knew each other. But yeah, I think the, the fact that there was this um, goal in mind was, was really what bring us together. Like, okay, now we have a common goal. We, we want to work together. Uh, and we had an idea in mind and uh, I think we executed quite well because in, in the two, two months uh, available for doing uh, the Akaton project, we, we worked really, really hard on it, I think. Uh, because basically I, I was also working at my regular job and I was uh, working at my regular job and then as soon as I finished working on my regular job, I started, I continued working on Svelte Lab and Antonio did the same. So uh, it was 
um, a very important experience because also uh, it's it's not only working but it's working together uh, and this is another thing that I think hackathon can teach you because uh, more often than not we are if you are doing a side project you are probably doing it alone uh, and so working alone is a thing working in a team even a team of two is a completely different thing and um, I also think, just as Antonio said, that hackathons in general are very, very powerful because it allows you to have a goal. And that's the, the main uh, thing that uh, most side projects maybe don't have because a lot of people just say, okay, I, I will just work on this when I have time, when I have, uh, when I have the, the will to do it. And at the beginning, it's very, very high, the will to do it. But then when you start to, to come to, to have problems, you might let the will die. It's, it's really interesting, the concept of like actually finishing the side project, right? Because I think everyone that's probably listened to this podcast and everyone that's going to be in web development, if you haven't already, you're going to have an idea for a side project at some point and you're going to love it for like a week and then you're going to drop it. It's going to happen um, to most people. And that's just the reality because other priorities come and other project pops up and stuff like that. But to actually like sit down and first of all, the hackathon provides you with a couple things. One is the time box. So you have the two months. That's really, really key. And then the other thing, especially if you're going out as a team, you have that kind of um that need to help each other and the need to not let each other down, right? So I think that's another thing that's really missing from a lot of developers that are learning on their own. When you're in a team, that environment completely changes. And that's, I, I think that's the main value of the hackathon, right? Like that's where you're, where you're actually going to, first of all, finish a project and learn how to work in a team. So thank you for kind of both aligning on that uh, in your conversation there. Yeah, definitely. The, the point you said about the team yeah you start to motivate each other when you see like people uh, creating new prs and adding new features you will think yeah yeah i want to i want to help also and really you drive each other it's really awesome yep and and that's how real teams work too like when when you're working in the industry uh you're going to see those prs from your other team members you're going to have to interact with them you're going to have to review them and stuff like that so just getting that experience alone is huge value like huge, because again, when you're sitting in an interview and you've never worked with anyone else, that's a totally different conversation as to when you're sitting there and being like, well, I worked with this group on a, on a hackathon project and we had this you know, PR conflict and we had to resolve the conflict and someone wasn't pulling their weight. So we have to discuss with them. Like all that is very key experience that you can talk about to get a job in the industry as well. Yeah. Because the job isn't only about how good you know all the CSS properties or whatever. It's about working together, communicating, trying to figure out solutions together. So that's really very valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, uh, another important thing, I think, is the fact that it was open source. Uh, and so this is another thing that can help you, uh, especially to find a job because uh, your employer will likely go and see, okay, they do this project, uh, how do they are uh, doing it? Like, how are they commenting on their PRs? 
uh, what kind of commit they are making, uh, are they causing problem to the project uh, or something else. So if you learn to work in a team through the hackathon, it can not only teach you how to do it uh, so that you can then apply to your job, but it can also show that to your employer that you know how to do what you they ask you to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are really key uh, key takes on this. Um, just to wrap up the, ha the hackathon discussion, uh, Paolo, what would be your number one suggestion to first-time hackathoners right now? Just go in head first and, <laughs> and don't have uh, fear of breaking your head because uh, after all, uh, the, the worst thing that can happen is that you don't win. And so, yeah, you wasted your time, but is it really wasted because you learn something new? I, I think there's, I never did a project, even for a friend, where I did not learn something. So even just going in and try to go, to, to go try to shot for the moon so that uh, even if you miss, you, you still go far, far away. It's something that can be really rewarding. So if you actually get to the moon, you can win money and win uh, the, 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 I don't want to say the fame because it's not about the fame. You win the fact that you won. <laughs> so it's, it's, re it's, re it's rewarding even just the fact that you was the best, but also during the process of doing the hackathon, you will learn something and that's valuable. Yep, absolutely. I think like it's key to like shoot, shoot for the moon and land among the stars. That's a really important saying for us because I feel a lot of people are very conservative in what they're trying to do when they're trying to break into the industry. Whereas right now the industry is becoming more and more competitive and you need to separate yourself somehow. And one of the ways is like you said, just enter the hackathon, go full in. So thank you for that, Paolo. Antonio, do you have anything else to add to the uh, like suggestions for first-time hackathoners, or do you agree? Uh, yeah, I agree. Just, just do it. Yeah, I mean, if you have an idea, why don't you try it out? And yeah, maybe you Absolutely. win. All right, well, you've entered the hackathon. That's awesome. Uh, what I want to talk about is the actual thing that you made during the hackathon, the project, because I've been using it quite a bit. I know the Svelte community has been loving it. Uh, Svelte Lab. So I want to go fully dive into Svelte Lab right now. Uh, Antonio, do you want to explain the core idea behind Svelte Lab? Yeah, sure. I can try. So um, the Svelte website has this thing called a REPL. You can use it to quickly try out Svelte for yourself, see how it works, see what it's all about. Um, but we and we both love this tool so much. It's awesome for sharing like code snippets or experimenting with ideas and uh, having like if you have a bug in your code base and you want to reproduce it, it's a great way to spin up a new environment and that is completely isolated from everything else. And you can just do it in your browser uh, super quickly. And it's really, really awesome to have it. So this is the official Svelte website that has this. Things we would love for it to also support. So for example, um, you are working on your project and it has TypeScript uh, inside the components. And the official Svelte REPL doesn't support that. Uh, so we thought, what would a REPL look like that could support those? Um, 
those type annotations. Or maybe we want a command palette for formatting uh, your code, for example, or light and dark mode. That's something they added recently, but uh, back in the hackathon, that was like the key feature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also, um, so we basically took the idea of the Svelte REPL and, and tried to bake everything we ever wished it would have into it. So we created a new website. It's called sveltelab.dev, and it's the supercharged uh, REPL for SvelteKit. Um, so it also supports SvelteKit, so you can also write server-side uh, code with it. And uh, it's using the Web Containers API from StackBlitz. So it's the same tech under the hood as StackBlitz. Uh, and uh, it works really awesome, the tech. And um, it was really impressive how, how quickly uh, Paolo got the first prototype going. It was basically just follow, following the tutorial, spinning up a new SvelteKit project. And there he was. And it was really impressive how fast it was. Uh, yeah, the, the proof of concept was done. Did, did either of you have uh, experience with web containers when you dove into this, or was that completely new to you? Absolutely new. <laughs> uh, we actually, uh, in the beginning, we were uh, choosing because in that period of time, um, there were two um, contender, contenders <laughs> because there were the web container API from StackBlitz, and there's, there were also uh, Notebox from uh, the code um, code sandbox uh, team, uh, which basically does the same thing. Like they both allows you to run Node.js inside your browser. Um, and we had no experience. We tried both a bit, uh, but then decided for the Web Container API because uh, it seemed a bit more uh, mature, um, and it was just a bit more uh, easy to work with. Um, so we had no experience. And uh, to be fair, uh, Antonio said that we basically had our POC ready in, I think, two hours. We decided on the project, and two hours later, we had a POC. And this is just because of the web container API, not because of me, obviously. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was nothing special. It was just that the web container API makes things very, very easy. Can I just like, um, I know you said it's not because of you and it's because of the API, but there is a very big component to you diving into something that you've never done before and being able to read the API. Like I know we we diminish that and we make that seem really easy. And after we do it many times, I get it. Like the thought process, okay, that's, you know, we're just reading a couple things, copy pasting and it works. But the reality is for a lot of new developers out there, um, that part is very difficult. First of all, stepping out of their comfort zone to do something that they've never done before, Web Containers API, and then going through and reading the documentation, knowing which parts of it to take and putting it in a working project quickly. So even though, yes, like for us at this point, that's probably easy. I just wanted to point out for everyone else, you, you have to take that step. You have to you have to really embrace the fact that a lot of times when you're in this space, you're going to need to be working with stuff you're not comfortable with and you're not familiar with and learn how to do that. Eventually, it will become easy for you too. Uh, one important thing that I, I saw a lot of... Uh if we want junior developer and I'm uh, doing some doing some air um, 
uh, quotes, like quotes, yeah. Dr. Evil, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> yeah. air quotes, because uh, I don't think there is really a, a junior figure, uh, but uh, a lot of people that are starting out, uh, what I see is that they obviously are very, very hyped about something. And so they tend to uh, gloss over the documentation. So they go there, okay, I, I can understand this, I can understand that, and they start to hack around, which is very, very good. But at the same time, if you want to have a working prototype quickly, I think one important thing is to follow the documentation. Like you really have to, to understand the documentation because if you try to go to gloss over something, you will probably hit a wall sooner or later and you will not understand why it's not working. And then if you go and read the, and actually read the documentation, you will find that, oh, it was because of this small thing that I, I didn't read. Uh, so a lot of people, I think, uh, made a lot of assumptions while reading documentation. And that's, I think, it's it, it's what, in the end, it's your pitfall when you're reading documentation. That's a really good point. I, I like that you brought up the documentation because we're, we're always trying to preach the reading of documentation, but it's tough to explain, but that was a good way to talk about it. Um, just to jump back into Svelte Lab a little bit, um, I want to get, uh, Antonio, maybe your take on this as well. Uh, IDs, like Svelte Lab being inside of a browser, right? So essentially you're taking like a VS code with a full development environment, putting it inside of a browser. I've always wondered, and I, I wonder if you guys have run into this already, are there people that are actually using these as their full-on development start to finish setups? Or is this only like you mentioned for people that are, you know, trying to replicate an issue so that it's easier to show in a GitHub issue um, or just doing some, you know, testing around. I mean, there's are like pro different kind of products that work around uh, or like build this, this vision that you can like work in this ephemeral setups that's like Gitpod or the GitHub code spaces. And I've tried working with them a bit. Um, it always feels like maybe more hassle than just setting it up yourself. So maybe we're not quite at that point where it's like you can have like this full development flow, at least in my opinion, or in the experiences I had. Um, I, I'm sure there are project projects are built around that where it makes sense and it works. Uh, so definitely a possibility for the future and maybe for some projects right now to work be working completely in this uh, browser first and uh, ephemeral workspace environment. Very, very interesting to see the different kinds of uh, approaches and different kinds of products uh, built around uh, the idea of just uh, yeah not, not having to install anything. So I think it's really awesome to be lowering the barriers for, for trying stuff out. If you have like a project and it has a link to StackBlitz, you can just open it in a window and see what it's about without having to go in the terminal, installing a bunch of stuff and uh, creating a new project, adding a new Git uh, stuff and whatever. You can just open a tab and there you are. It's, it's really cool to be, uh, yeah, just quick starting new, new uh, different technologies. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like, what about thin clients um, or even Chromebooks? I wonder if there's people out there that are like, on Chromebooks that don't want to go through the hassle of setting up VS code on a Chromebook. I just, I, I'm always thinking like, is there a way is, is, are there people out there that are using this 
as the for their full development environment. But um, yeah, like you, I tried and I can't get there yet uh, just because there's so many different extensions and stuff like that that I use and my development environment is so specific to me. Mm. But kind of a dream where I can go to a library, for instance, open up the, the browser and be in, in my development environment without any issues, without any lag and stuff like that. So it's cool. Or maybe even people working on, on iPads or stuff. Yes, that too, actually. I think, was it just added recently, uh, Web Container API to iPads, like the Safari support? Yeah, I think I've heard um, it being added, but I, on my iPad, it doesn't work. Maybe it's not supported anymore. I'm not sure. Or maybe the update is still not, not shipped yet. I think yet. you need to use Safari. Like, it yeah, doesn't it work in Chrome, but it has to be Safari. Uh, but yeah, they recently add the support for Web Container API in Safari iPad. Also. That's exciting. That's a whole other environment. Again, thin client, thin client thought a process. Although, honestly, uh, like a, a iPad Pro with an M2 or an M1 processor is hardly a thin client. <laughs> um, but still, <laughs> capabilities are thin. Um, cool. So. Yeah, I think like it, it's an exciting world, this web container stuff. I remember when T Snack Blitz came out, I was kind of mind boggled by it. And I use it, like you mentioned, GitHub issues all the time, but I want to figure out other ways I can put it into my workflow. So Svelte Lab sounds like a really awesome, easy to use, like quick Svelte Kit environment that I can spin up anytime I want. Yeah. I and quick quick is the, is the real world that we went after because... Uh, Stack Blitz, it's obviously uh, uh, it has a lot of features. It uses Monaco, which is uh, a full blown uh, environment. Uh, and but we wanted something very, very similar to the Svelte Rapper, where you can just go and in a couple of seconds have your environment ready. Uh, we wanted to use it uh, on mobile too. And I mean, uh, I say we, but I, I insisted for the mobile version because I use Svelte Lab on mobile all the times. Uh, because I, when when I have an idea, I don't want to maybe open the the, the desktop, uh, or maybe I can't, uh, and so I just hop into Svelte Lab and start hacking around on my phone. And so this was very very important for us, and that's why, for example, we choose. Uh, Code Mirror uh, Six to instead of Monaco. Because okay. it has better support for mobile keyboards. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Get people, get people on their phones to start coding. I love it. <laughs> but actually, one thing that I use uh, Svelte Lab for more recently is like a replacement for CodePen. Um, so just like if I ever need to do a quick little snippet that I want to share, I feel like. Svelte Lab is better. First of all, CodePen doesn't have autocomplete as far as I understand, or maybe I haven't enabled it. I don't know, but it's super annoying. And uh, the, the Svelte Repo and Svelte Lab both have it and just makes my life so much easier now since I'm used to it. Mm. I also always uh, used to go to on the Svelte uh, REPL if I wanted to try anything in like CSS or HTML. I don't even need any scripting. I just use that REPL because I'm fam familiar with it and it allows me to tap into all the Svelte goodness if I have to. Yep, exactly. And also, there's also another thing because um, Svelte Lab allows you to install every packages on NPM. And um, this is also very important because, for example, just the other day I was 
uh, hacking around in this belt REPL, and um, I come across a, a point where I I needed to install a package, and not every package is installable. You can import uh, in this belt REPL, um, and so I just switched to SvelteLab and installed the, the package uh, just like I would have done inside my local environment. That's actually really interesting. And the, the security implications as well, being able to just test out a quick package because it's in a container is also kind of key, yes. right? Because it's containerized. I don't think it can access or has access to anything that could actually damage your system. Yeah, exactly. Really, really cool stuff. Um, but before we wrap up, wrap up here, I really want to kind of dive in because we're all Svelte nerds, Svelte geeks, whatever, Svelte heads. I really want to dive into Svelte and Svelte Kit with you guys and kind of geek out a little bit because as we know, Svelte yes. 4 recently came out. So that was really exciting. But the future of Svelte is still really exciting to me too. Um, so you've already answered this a little bit, but I kind of want your mindset on this as well, a little bit more in depth. Uh, maybe Antonio, if you want to start, uh, why did you choose Svelte and Svelte Kit uh, to go deeper into? Because all three of us are now working in the industry. So this is our thing. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like this feeling when you have an extraction that takes away all the complexity. It doesn't require more complexity on top. It just is the right fit. And uh, I feel like other frameworks, they require you to to like think in a different way or like build abstractions on top of those abstractions the library gives you. And you like build this 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 castle of, of abstractions. But with Svelte, it doesn't, it doesn't need you to think in that way. It just gives you the the glue <laughs> i like to call it a glue uh, to like build these components um, uh, it has state management built in it just it just it feels like the right kind of extraction uh, for building ui and and svelte kit is like it feels to me like a swiss army knife for web development you could use it as, as a back end uh, framework if you would if you were crazy enough um, but it's just so flexible and you can do any kind of application with it and it's really beautiful uh, because it's also very uh, minimal API, I think. And um, yeah, maybe the routing is a bit uh, weird if you come from other uh, frameworks, but I think uh, it makes sense. And uh, if you try it out, I think you will learn that it makes sense too. But of course, uh, people have different opinions. It's okay if you don't like it. And uh, I just think it's the right abstraction. Love it. And I kind of agree with everything that you just said. Um, in fact, <laughs> I, I do use uh, SvelteKit as a backend framework for a lot of things, especially if I need to spin up a quick like serverless function. Yeah, yeah I'm, re I'm reaching for SvelteKit because just because it's so easy for me to work with at this point. Yeah. And you don't like buy into what, this one serverless platform. You can like with the different adapters, you can like have no vendor lock-in. You can like swap it out. Yeah, absolutely. And you can even just do it a Node.js, right? Like it doesn't even have to be yeah. full serverless, which is awesome. Very uh, flexible. Yeah, super flexible. Paolo, do you have anything to add to that? Like, is that the same reasoning that you had? Or was there anything that, that just kind of glaringly stood out to you versus your React or Vue experience? Yeah, the, the fact that really sold Ms. Belt to me was the fact that it was a compiler. Because when uh, Rich Harris uh, made his presentation of uh, rethinking reactivity, the moment he said that Svelte was a compiler, uh, my mind kind of blew because 
if you think about it, there's literally no reason to ship a whole runtime when you can just build a compiler that writes very performant JavaScript for you. It's basically what all the history of programming is doing, like assembly is difficult. So we write a compiler to write Qi, which is uh, simpler, and then we compile it down to a performant assembly. And the, the important part is the fact that uh, uh, GCC, so the compiler for Qi, can write uh, an assembly which is a lot more performant of what you could write without the compiler. And that's the same for Svelte. Svelte writes uh, JavaScript, which is a lot more performant of what everybody can make because it's built by very smart people, it's built by a team of people. So it's just like if every website you make is built by those smart people instead of you. And like, obviously you can shoot yourself in the gun in if you are doing something very, very crazy, but more often than not, uh, it's very simple to build fast and performant things. And that's what sold me Svelte. And then after that, uh, basically every decision that the team of Svelte maintainers made was super reasonable to me. And so it just solidified my love for this framework because just for example, the routing, they had the, the boldness of completely change how the routing uh, worked uh, and do it in, in such a way, which is again, a very bold move because you already have users and you're just saying, okay, everything you learned now does not apply, but we have this new way of doing things, which is better. And a lot of people had, uh, the Svelte maintainer had a lot of backslash for the, the routing, but they stick with it. And in my opinion, is the best routing, uh, file-based routing that there is out there because it's, it's very thoughtful. Yeah. I, I I agree. I was I wasn't like against it from the beginning. I was just apprehensive when I saw mm -hmm. it. <clears throat> and uh, just to explain to the audience, essentially, uh, the routing went from like name based routing, where you could like name a name your route as your component name, so like about dot svelte, into more specified uh, routing in the sense that every route is using a folder based structure, and each main component of that route will have a plus page.svelte and then you have other options like a plus layout.svelte uh, or yeah, plus layout.svelte plus page.server.svelte which will only do server side stuff plus page.svelte which will load your data if you want on the front end. There's just a million different things that you can do. It's very composable and it's also very clear what's happening. And I completely agree with you, by the way, Paolo. Like it, it was, as soon as I started using it, the first day, I want to say, I was like, oh yeah, this makes more sense. Mm. I don't know why I was even apprehensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like you're used uh, to being like about HTML, it's, it's the it's that page, right? Maybe you're used to that, but I think it makes more sense. It also makes it, it a lot more easy to uh, break out your plus page.svelte in different components to like co-locate your files. You don't have to 
give them like an underscore to escape the router. No, you in uh, the router is like a, you you opt in. It's not by everything in the folder by default is a route, but everything with a plus means something to SvelteKit. So I think it makes more sense that way. That's a really good point too. Like you can have your components in the same folder as your route, and they yeah. won't be in the in the actual file structure or in the sitemap. And I mean, even just the fact that you are choosing a plus to signify that that is a root, which seemed kind of stupid at the beginning because why <laughs> should I put plus in before, before page, just call it page. It's actually super clever because that way your uh, load function and the root, it's all together. It's the first file of the folder. They think of everything. So that's what it's, that's why I think Svelte and SvelteKit is the future is because uh, behind Svelte and SvelteKit, there are people who really care about the, the framework. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm invested in it right now. <laughs> so I'm really <laughs> hoping that we're all correct. Um, but having said that, we're all, I mean, all three of us are very high on Svelte. We've talked about it many times, but it, nothing is perfect. So I kind of want to go in and talk about a little bit like what's missing. What are we waiting on next? And uh, what do you think could improve? So uh, mm. Antonio, you wanna? Yeah, maybe like this this classic stuff you have in other backend frameworks. So like a database layer and authentication with authorization and different roles and stuff. It's all stuff that's included in most other backend frameworks. So like Ruby on Rails or Laravel has this. Uh, and this is still missing from the JavaScript ecosystem. Of course, you have like different providers. We have like Lucia Auth, which is open source, or you can use like, if you're using PocketBase, you can use, we are using PocketBase on Svelte Lab, actually. Uh, we, we use that auth, um, but having something built into the framework would be really, really nice to get uh, started quickly and creating um, your actual business logic. So every every app that, that has paying customers needs some kind of auth authentication. So I think it makes sense to have it in the in the framework layer. That's an interesting take. Um, I've been using AuthJS actually, the mm -hmm. kind of like the early access of it from NextAuth, and it it feels almost like it is built in. So I feel like they could do something, considering it's a Vercel project and felt gets mm -hmm. owned by Vercel. That could happen at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, I I agree that would be really cool to have as built in. Uh, Paolo, anything on your end? Yeah, um, I mean, there are some small things that I think uh, Svelte, so not Svelte Kit, but Svelte uh, is missing. The, the the thing that I kind of um, struggle a bit, and that's why also I like Tailwind, and uh, go ahead and get, get your pitchforks if you want. <laughs> but I like Tailwind because it solves a problem that I think Svelte has, which is the fact that, yes, you can use the global modifier, for example, uh, but styling a children from a parent component is very difficult, uh, especially if you need the behavior inside the children. So there are libraries that are solving these, for example, Melt UE, which is, uh, I think, the next big uh, UE framework for Svelte. Uh, they are doing the builder pattern. So basically they are providing the behavior and you can style them as you want. But um, 
For example, it's very difficult in Svelte to build a, a component library, a styled component library, but still provide the flexibility to the user. So maybe I want to build a, a, a button which has some base style, but I want the user to be able to customize it a bit. And there is there are ways to do this, like for example, for with the style props, you can use CSS variables. Uh, there are ways to do it, but all all the ways to do these are a bit cumbersome and requires the the author of the library to really think about what uh, he wants to expose. Uh, and so this is, I think, uh, something that uh, would be cool to have. Another very cool thing to have, in my opinion, would be server-side server rendered actions, like you can annotate an action to be uh, server-side rendered. And so you know that you will not use um, browser API inside that action. So you will just modify the markup. And uh, during the server-side rendering, uh, SvelteKit could, Svelte and SvelteKit, yeah, probably SvelteKit could uh, execute that action and update the markup accordingly, just like a sort of macro if we want. Uh, but other than that, I think it's pretty. Maybe I, I would like to to have a bit of more of fine grained reactivity, like not exactly signals, because after all, we have reactivity baked in, but the fact that maybe changing a variable will just require you to update, to surgically update the DOM would be cool. Wow, yeah, no, those are those are really three really kind of things, key little nitpicks that I have not thought about. And uh, especially the server side actions is really interesting to me. I wonder if that's something on their roadmap or not, but uh, I would also kind of appreciate that um but yeah I, I mean again we're we're just we're kind of reaching for little nitpicks because i think all three of us are in line with the fact that we are bullish on uh, on svelte and svelte kits uh yeah. melt ui you mentioned Whew, i'm so excited for that it's so good i've been uh i've been following that project and i've been using i've actually been using shade and svelte uh which is going to be converted to melt ui soon for a little while now because I need that kind of easily customizable component, which is actually kind of a challenge to do in Svelte. So good call out there, Paulo. Yeah, I think that pattern makes a lot of sense to, in the end, you own the component and you can do whatever you need. So I think that makes sense. I, I always end up, because that's like the key thing uh, you you will hear, uh, we are we don't have like the the material UI uh, like the React does or the shared CN. Uh, it's it's getting better every every day I think. Uh, but yeah, that's the the key thing. And a couple of years back, I I always write my components myself, so I have like my own little library that has toasts and and dialogues, and that's everything I need. Basically, the rest I just uh, use a normal a normal HTML button. And just style it. Uh, I think that's easier than importing a button component and uh, having to wrangle around that. Yeah, it, it's definitely easier in the sense, especially when you're working on your own. I think what the challenges come from like 
three years, four years down the line, then you have four other people working on the project. That's what I'm kind of excited about with stuff like uh, Melt UI and um, Shaden, because I know I'll, I'll be confident that the documentation will be much better than whatever documentation I can come up with for my custom UI library. <laughs> and people people could uh, come in and easily kind of maintain and manage the components, the architecture and stuff like that. That's That's exciting to me. But yeah, yeah I, those two I've projects are very, very impressive. I wasn't trying, trying to downplay them. Oh, yeah. I'm very glad they are here because the Svelte <laughs> ecosystem greatly benefits from it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and I, I did the same thing as you, Antonio, where I, I had my own UI <laughs> library for a little for a while there uh, until yeah. essentially Radix and Sh Shade and Svelte came up. And and you're, like you said, it's, it's evolving daily. That's not even an exaggeration. Like it's literally getting better on a day-to-day -day basis. It's crazy how fast it's moving. Yeah. Um, and okay, so final question here. How would you recommend a new developer learn Svelte and SvelteKit? Like we've sold Svelte and SvelteKit, I think, to a lot of people listening right now, but how are they going to actually ramp up on it? Pablo, you want to go first on this one? Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, again, just dive right into it <laughs> head first. <laughs> No, I mean, uh, I think uh, a, a thing that Svelte did really well was the tutorial on the website because it really guides you to learn Svelte pieces by pieces and, and just dive right into it because it will be familiar. If you know HTML, you will know Svelte. Uh, you will just have... Uh, funny little surprises like oh this works <laughs> and uh, you will find in my opinion a lot of things that just make sense what about you antonio uh yeah the tutorial is a great place uh, i also use that to learn um it basically gives you everything that's what can do nicely laid out uh, you do the challenges and you really learn how it works uh, all together and uh, I would also say, like, invest in the in the fundamentals. So HTML, CSS, JavaScript, those are the things that will be here forever. One day, maybe Svelte isn't the, the cool thing we all love. Maybe something else will come. But it will also be based on HTML, CSS, JavaScript. I think that's pretty safe. Uh, so learn that first. And, and then if you feel confident with them, you can pick up something like Svelte. But uh, th that investment will always pay off, I would say, I think. I agree. Like the the fundamental three pillars of, of web development are super important to learn. And it's weird, like there has been a, a little bit of a trend, especially I think from React devs, just because their paradigm is so different that they're like, hey, just jump into React and that's how you'll learn web development. And from one end, like, yeah, I get it uh, because there is a lot of things you can just learn in React without having to delve really deep into JavaScript, but you're gonna stunt yourself. Like just being a React developer is such a strange take to me because like you said, three years from now, I don't know if Svelte's gonna be the number one thing. I might be moving on to something else. I'm not like, I love Svelte right now and I love Svelte Kit, but I was a Vue developer right before Svelte and I like that too. And if something better comes around, I'm not going to stop myself just because I'm a Svelte. I'm, I'm doing the air quotes again too. Uh, a Svelte developer. No, I'm a JavaScript developer. And whatever tool comes out that's better and is truly tested and has the community behind it, I'll try that out and use it. And if you don't have that basic knowledge, that base of the three pillars, that becomes an issue for you. Like you're 
then you become a React developer or a Vue developer or a Svelte developer. Yeah, definitely. You can be, I think it, just knowing the framework, it kind of shackles you. You don't really know how how you would do it without it. And I think like knowing how to build basic apps without a framework, I think is really powerful because it unshackles you. You are like free of having to be forced to use this framework forever. You can do it yourself if you want to. Yep, absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I just really love geeking out with you guys about Svelte and Svelte Lab and the hackathon stuff. So I'm hoping that the audience kind of learned the, prog the progression that you guys did. And maybe some people will be motivated to go and start their own, like participate in their own hackathons, which I really hope happens because of this podcast episode. Uh, but before we wrap up here, uh, Paolo and Antonio, I kind of want to pass the floor off to you if you have anything to promote, uh, if you want to plug your Twitter handles, or if you have a website that you want to plug, let me know. Uh, tell the audience, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. So, Paolo, you want to start first on that one? Sure. I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Paolo Ricciuti, or on GitHub at Paolo Ricciuti, or on Blue Sky at Paolo Ricciuti. <laughs> I mean, Perfect. on Blue Sky, it's Ricciuti.me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mostly I'm mostly on Twitter, um, and the website I think it's svelte.lab.dev because we are proud of it, uh, and that's it. Perfect. And yeah, I'm at uh, Zatsovich Antonio. Uh, maybe you can look it up in the description or something. It's kind of hard to spell, um, but I'm on Twitter. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on Mastodon. Um, if you want to send me a message, go ahead. I think. I don't know if it works on Twitter, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it works <laughs> that day. Write me somewhere else or on Discord. And my website is sartsevich.dev and you can find uh, articles and other links there. Mostly about Svelte. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on. And uh, that's it. We're signing off. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview as much as we did, but it is time to end now. But if you'd like to support episodes like this, you can go to patreon.com slash HTML, all the things, check out the tiers, give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale, Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com, Gunner Brunette via GunnerBrunette.com, Watoto Coding via WatotoCoding.com, and Garrett Seagull. Feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform you're listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.